But I just knew that when uh, I was on the first island in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I could climb up that giant Zeus statue and hang off of his dong, that this was <laughs> going to be a game for me. <laughs> well, that's that's the quote they need to put on the back of the box. <laughs> Remember I said this? Let's go screenshot. All right, welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com, and uh, this is episode number 340, and I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Scott. And I'm Ash. And we're all together. Yeah, is this really episode 340? I'm, it is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm very doubtful. I don't, I I Ash, Ash could really write literally anything there, and I would just read it <laughs> like... Like I was in, you know, uh, news anch- or Anchorman. Anchorman, and- I, yeah. I, I double checked it because I know we did packs a while ago, and I totally fucked up the numbers real bad. So, <laughs> so was the last was- Pax West three thirty eight? Yeah, who knows? I, I hope I, not. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? It's been a while that- though. Yeah, that's it okay. has. Yeah, it has been a while. How you guys been? Um, good. You 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 all just went to San Diego Comic Con, right? You did, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. about um, almost a month ago at this point, but um, it was fun. Yeah, cool. There's some stuff stuff on the site, folks, to check out. A couple quick yeah. interviews with friends of the podcast. Uh, Fan of Shield. There's like a little interviewy thing uh, on the show or on the nerdappropriate.com with the Shield cast, which was cool. That's exciting. So that was yeah, it was fun. Nice. Yeah, that was super cool. And I think uh, the thing that didn't make the site that I did the probably the highlight of the con for me was uh, Sesame Street Live saw it with my daughter yeah and your son ash also went and uh yeah mind's blown yeah, I was it was just say, kind i'm sure of they like loved it insane very cool yeah getting tickets yeah. for that was not fun let me tell you that was but, not uh, fun no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the ultimate comic-con ticket clusterfuck it was like line up on these stairs in the heat with a toddler strapped to your back Mm-hmm. Um, go through this line that took like several hours to go through for a, a lottery chance to get a ticket wow. for Sesame Street. Yeah. Uh, only to fail, we failed. I think like three or four times in a row. Because yeah. you have to go, go through, through the line, line three or four times. You have to go through the line multiple times, and then we ended up getting standby tickets. And my wife was able to get in with my kid and, and go on standby. But it was like you know ate up pretty much the whole first chunk of the morning. Wow. Oh yeah. And, and then, we got there. We left yeah. a little before you. We were there at like six thirty in the morning, and uh, yeah, I the random. I didn't realize. Like, I had no idea how the system worked at all. So I actually got two tickets on my first pull. Melissa got nothing. I got two. And Damn, I was like, oh, was like holy shit! Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, but it, the that process is bonkers. It wasn't like I mean, to be fair, there are worse ways that process could have happened. But um, it was uh, yeah, I don't know. It was good. Nice. It was crazy. I think it, it was mainly really it was just because it was a hot year, and like some years in San Diego, like you can you can wait outside of the convention center, and there's like a nice breeze, and it's not too bad. But this year it was just like kind of sweltering, and <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So it was not not ideal. That's crazy. Yeah. You know where else it was sweltering? In Florida, where I saw you <laughs> like last week. I know. Yeah, I in, know. It was crazy. In I the saw flesh. Scott for like. A whole hour. Was, I know. Fantastic. Yeah, basically, I had to come down for a work thing, and I tried to set aside at least a day to do any, like literally anything in town, uh, before having to fly back at the end of the at the end of the workshop. But it was fun. It was really good. It was good to see you. 
to see all your old haunts. We get to eat some uh, yeah some some Mexican food and yeah hurt hurt our bellies. Yeah, that was that was good times, and I think I uh, I overextended myself that day. We'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> so um, we are going to talk about what we normally do. We're going to talk about some games and some TV shows and other fun things. Do a little bit of news and then just kind of chill for a little bit because we haven't done this in a while. And uh, yeah, 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 we're we're going to do our thing. Yeah, it's been a while, but it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, where where do you want to start? What what topic would you like to discuss first today? Uh, you want to start with Marvel Ultimate Alliance? Yeah, you've been sure. talking about stuff for a while, so I want to hear if it well, if it I mean, yeah, stands I mean, up to the hype or or not. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I'm definitely enjoying it, but I mean, I think these games hold a, a special place in my heart. Uh, I'm thinking, Matt, you guys remember we? I think we played this at like my wife's bachelorette party, we like it all for night, like eight yep. hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like what it was. Mar- yeah, Marvel Ultimate Alliance two, and I, I just these are like the best couch co op games if you're a fan of superheroes. Um, this one is uh, developed by Ninja Theory. It's out exclusively for Nintendo Switch. I've played it both um, in handheld mo- mode and on the TV. Uh, it actually plays very well in in both in both settings. I didn't think it was going to be playable uh, in handheld mode because there's just so much going on. But I played it a lot on the plane coming back from San Diego, and my son watched me, and he he loves watching the superheroes fly around and smash stuff. Um, so it you know it, it's solid if you if you're into these brawler type games, um, it's it's really well done. I will say one thing: it's uh, the system. I was telling Scott this too. The, the systems, the combat system, is less complicated than that of Disney Infinity. <laughs> yeah, meaning that there are really uh, each character has four different abilities they can use in a light, a light punch and a heavy punch, and a super move, and that's pretty much it. Um, you can combo stuff, but you're not going to be doing too many big air juggles or uh, timed blocks or counters or anything like that. So if you're looking for a really kind of deep, robust combat system, you're not really going to get it with Ultimate Alliance. Uh, what you are going to get is the ability to mix and match team members and have their abilities combo together. So for instance, if you're to use like Magneto, you can get all the characters to cluster up using magnetic attack and then use one of Storm's tornadoes to kind of smash them all together and then follow that up with Hulk doing like an earth shatter, you know? So the sky is sort of the limit with the number of powers that you can combine in this game, which is really great if you're a fan of superheroes and seeing all the crazy stuff they can do. Um, as you progress and your characters get beyond level 20, um, I will say that it uh, it gets to the point where the powers get almost unmanageable. Like there's just so much on the screen and you're just, you know, there's a hundred enemies and you're just slamming them with ability after ability. Uh, and it gets a little bit, a little bit chaotic, but I will say that the story is one of the most Marvel ass Marvel comic stories that I've ever played through. It's really a lot of fun. It deals with, uh, the black order trying to get a hold of the infinity stones. And you basically have, um, you know, the whole Marvel universe at your roster and all of them, you know, coming together to fight against Thanos and the Black Order, which is, you know, very similar to Infinity War, but uh, super fun, really well written, really well voice acted. How do they um, handle it with the with the characters? Is it something where you have to unlock them, or are they all available to you from the start, or like how does that work? You start off uh, just with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then I think within the first hour of the game, you have access to the bulk of the Avengers. So every stage of the game, I believe there's eight eight main stages with like five or six sub stages each um each one of those stages will unlock new characters so for instance you'll go to like the dark realm uh where like dormammu is i guess 
what phantom zone i forget what it's called but anyway you'll unlock like ghost rider and dr strange and characters that kind of fit in with that environment or you go to xavier's mansion and unlock characters from from the x-men so uh each stage gives you new characters to unlock which is a lot of fun okay cool i uh yeah. i haven't played nearly as much as you have um but i i did i did get i think the first i went through all the tutorial stuff with guardians and then and got all the avengers and started moving from there i don't remember how much further i played into it I do enjoy it quite a bit. Like the system is so warm and like welcoming kind of, you know, <laughs> like it's just so familiar, but I will say it's so familiar that it does feel a little old as well. And I don't know if that's also maybe partly being on the switch and, you know, the graphics are of that era kind of still, but, right. but it's uh there was something about I was playing. And I was like, man, and there is also like, it wasn't us on your couch playing all together, which I think would make this game a million times more fun than when you're just like, on your own on your switch huddled in your bed playing you know right but, uh, you, say, you say it does have online co-op though i believe so i know i know it has a uh, four-player couch co-op but I, I don't know how the on i'm really bad I and i don't know if it has online i don't know yeah. if it does either i think all um, we have to do is input a 74 digit code right uh, <laughs> that's randomized and has a hash yeah. at the end of i'm it. pretty sure that yeah. we are not friends with each other on switch probably for that reason alone which is really <laughs> surprising not, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. I, I played through the the main campaign. There's a a lot of meat there. I I want to say, maybe ten to fifteen hours worth of content in the main campaign of just brawling and chaos, which is great. And then there is a a new game plus that unlocks afterwards. There's a bunch of hidden characters to unlock. Some of the villains in the game, like Loki and uh, Elektra, Magneto and Thanos, can be unlocked. But you have to do these challenge modes called infinity trials that really kind of push you to the limits oh, of kind of cool. you know what you can do yeah so you have to put together the perfect team to overcome these infinity challenges uh which really you know there's a lot of gameplay here you could conceivably play this game you know forever and ever and ever um i think by the time you beat the main campaign your characters will have leveled from level one to forty um you unlock different abilities and such along the way and then once you do new game plus you start around level 40 and i think it can go up to level 100 so you can just keep playing indefinitely but it's super fun like i think it's a perfect switch title you can play for 10 minutes you can play for a couple Mm -hmm. hours uh if you like marvel like i said it's the the graphics are dated but um they're sort of cell shaded and uh they look very marvel comics so i i wasn't really complaining too much about the graphics but but yeah i mean well you'd rarely hear me actually complain about the graphics it was more just like the feeling was like oh this feels of its era sort of like it it didn't feel like i wasn't sure you know it's been so long since we played two that i was like i don't know if they're gonna have like a brand new take on this style of game and there was something both welcoming and sort of like oh okay of it being um just of that era i mean it really is a game like absolutely of like couch co-op you know, early 2000s right. like Xbox era. It feels the same. Uh, but but yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it's it's such an easy game to pick up and put down, which is something that I know we all need at this moment. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, it's it's super fun. I enjoy it as well. Good stuff. So definitely, definitely recommend if you have a Switch, uh, even more so if you have someone in your family or your life that likes to sit down and play games with you. Yeah. This is something you could sit down on the couch and two-player co-op, each player controlling two characters and have a really blast of a weekend just blowing through the content and having fun. Some of the boss fights get downright diabolically hard uh, where you need to get really you know, split-second timing and 
uh, doing dodges and blocks and, and stuff like that. So it, it isn't just all mindless hacking and slashing. It does get very challenging as you progress, but that doesn't really happen for a little while. So they ease you into it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, nice. Well, that sounds like it's a recommend. So that's exciting. Yeah, it you is. Find, for sure. Find fun games. Um, <clears throat> just to catch you guys up on what I've been playing. Uh, I was talking to Ash offline about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> which <laughs> what game which, is this which still this is, can, still this is what you were talking about the last time we did a show i which know was a year ago I know. and like this is like the game that will not go away um i was uh, looking at my playtime in this game just to kind of get a some context for this and i've i'm currently have like six days 21 hours logged in this game uh-huh. um but the thing that i was going to mention very quickly is the second uh dlc thread which is called the fate of atlantis and um if you played um assassin's creed oh my god origin uh i mentioned that yeah i know i mentioned that there was a a dlc pack that was like kind of really interesting because it went to like the like sort of like this afterlife um with all these sort of fantastical landscapes and things that kind of looked unreal you know um in in comparison to what egypt looked like right so it was kind of like a fantasy world so in the same vein uh, this particular thread of the game uh, goes through three different chapters, which takes you to Elysium, to Hades, and to Atlantis. And in each of those chapters, you interact with like different gods, obviously. And it's uh, super fascinating, really interesting. The thing that I think is worth mentioning about this and something that I always complain about with these uh, games as of late is sort of the tie-in to the modern day storyline or like the the actual kind of, I don't know, like the the meta story of Assassin's Creed and what it actually, you know, right, the actual, right. the actual reason for the game existing in the first place. And it's not just like a historical, you know, fantasy simulator. Right. Um, and I, I think that especially in talking with you guys, you know, you guys are not really into that so much and you just kind of care about the main content. And I think maybe they found the right way to approach this by doing, by basically saying, Hey, you know, the main game is just going to be sort of the, historical fantasy part where it's like yes you're in ancient greece and you're doing all these fun things and uh meeting these characters and like that's kind of it and it was very light touch on the modern day storyline it was it was barely in it i mean i played all the way yeah. through the the main i didn't do any of the dlc but i spent right. a lot a lot of time in that game and i barely remember any of the real world stuff yeah exactly and so i think what they ended up doing is that they reserved all of that stuff for the DLC for the season pass, which is probably the right place to put it for like the super fans and the people that would actually spend, you know, the money to get the season pass. And so this really goes heavily into the modern day storyline, as well as allowing you to go into these sort of um, more, you know, uh, kind of hyper-realistic uh, environments, you know, so like it looks like you're existing on different planes of, of existence, you know, going you know, to Elysium, which is kind of like a heavenly environment and going into Hades where everything is sort of on fire and got that like grayscale Gears of War look, you know, like that next gen filter where everything is like right, brown right. and then taking you, you know, ultimately all the way to Atlantis, which looks like some, you know, amazing futuristic place that was built by the precursor race, which is really fascinating too. So I really appreciate the variety of the environments in this. And then each chapter is not super long, but again, once you've put six days into a game, it does kind of get like a little long in the tooth. So I'm glad that they reserve some of these more like eye catching, you know, environments and very interesting characters and like the gods that you encountered for the DLC. But, you know, if you have been hanging with Assassin's Creed Odyssey for this long, 
Um, I would certainly recommend this particular DLC thread almost over the the first one, but obviously if you get the season pass, I think you'll end up playing both. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're on the fence at all, it is a, just a wildly fantastic game, but it is, like you said, it's, it's a commitment. I mean, that'll be, that'll be the title you're playing for quite some time. If you want, if you want to get far in it. Yeah. I will say though, that in this game in particular, even more so than origin, I do feel like there's a little bit more fan service with the quest lines, with reuniting you, the player, with like the characters that you, you know, grew to love in the main part of the game. So they kind of have this DLC thread that's going with the two main um, content packages, which was like the legacy of the first blade and the fate of Atlantis. And then they have also been kind of dripping out these individual quests that take about an hour to complete called the Lost Tales of Greece. And okay. so in both of these kind of like continuing quests that are being slowly released um, to, you know, to the game, they do, it, it almost seems like they're responding to player feedback. They're learning about like the characters that you like and the people that you like in the game and the situations and the things that happened earlier in the game and actually putting in quests that refer back to those things. Oh, that's or, cool. you know, if there's a character, for example, that dies in the main game, there there are ways now to sort of, circle back to those characters because it's like you're going to heaven and hell right so there's places where you can go meet those characters again and go oh like what happened to you let's finish up your storyline and and i i think there's a lot of fan service in these um especially in this final uh pack as well i hope it's the final pack right so uh, <laughs> <laughs> i just can't i can't even because anymore. you've hundred you've hundred percented all of them right yeah so it's this, like, this is like it's like a life obligation yeah in terms of um in terms of xbox for example this game currently has like 1850 gamer score and has 93 achievements which i think is like i don't know the most that i've seen in any game that i can remember right. uh in recent times so it's it's quite the commitment but i think it's well worth it uh, if you're able to hang with it as long as you can i even remember telling you guys a long time ago when you know when mmos were kind of super hot that like we had wished you know i wish there was like an mmo a game that was a single player that felt like an mmo and this is mm -hmm. kind of this is kind of it you know Oh, um, it is for sure. And I, I think you could like, probably say the same like, of the Witcher It's like the 3. evolution because there's all yeah. the collection, there's all the items, there's all the skill trees, but it has a really kick-ass combat system. So yeah, it's like if you if you you kind of mix the best of two worlds, uh, that that's what this game is. Yeah. So this is. I mean, game. I know the team is working on a straight-up fantasy RPG right now. Like the name escapes me right now, but it, oh, um, cool. Yeah, so that's what they're working oh, on next. Right. And I'm it's, happy um, because and it's, it's like it's. Uh, it was it also Greek themed as well. I think I believe yeah. it has something to do with like monsters and, you know, I remember we talked around. about that at E3. Yeah. During E3 time. Mm -hmm. but, but yeah. It, it mean, looks great. That's kind of really why I wanted to bring this game up just because of what it has become and what it is doing and sort of how far it has come since the original, you know, like the old school Assassin's Creed games. I, I definitely think there's a place for this, but I know that there are fans like me that also want to see some, something of a return to, I don't know, something resembling the way, you know, parts of what the game used to be like, where it would only take, 25 hours to complete assassin's creed rogue for example and now we're sitting at six days for this one so um, it's wild what are you going to do but anyways just wanted to, to kind of bring that up for the for the quality of the content as well as like the direction of the series well i'm glad you're, you're liking it and still playing i i'm tempted all the time i actually haven't deleted it off my hard drive uh for the simple reason that it was so great and i keep looking at the dlc like oh maybe i'll go back and i might even boot it up every once in a while i'm just like this 
I know this yeah. is just going to take me yeah. a million I, hours. My suspicion is that this game, this content, this game will have to end probably by the time Watch Dogs 3 comes out because that's going to be, if you're like an Ubisoft you know, fan, that will be the next game that you migrate to. And I, I just really hope that both games are not requiring your attention at the same time because that would be disappointing. So I just want this game to wrap up and move on to the next <laughs> thing. But I'm, I am happy with it. I actually did start it up on PS4 and it was like, like a warm assassin's creed blanket yes it's pretty it's pretty warm yeah Yeah. pretty blanket you can sleep in it for (laughs) for an entire week and not see the end of it yeah but i just knew that when uh, i was on the first island in assassin's creed odyssey and i could climb up that giant zeus statue and hang off of his dong that this was (laughs) going to be a game for me (laughs) well that's that's the quote they need to put on the back of the box. <laughs> Remember I sent you this, this, this screenshots? I'm like, guys, you can hang off of dongs in this game. <laughs> <laughs> you you surely can. Yep. A plus, ten out of ten, would recommend. Yeah. You're gonna start the Twitter account. Can you can you hang on the dongs? <laughs> yeah. It's gonna drive sales now. Absolutely. Um, you wanna talk about the boys? Speaking of dongs. Let's do it. Speaking uh, of dongs. You you go ahead. You start this one off. I've the, already boys, talked. Uh, the Boys is a series on uh, Amazon Prime that just uh, kicked off, uh, geez, I guess a few weeks ago at this point. Um, it kicked off basically the week we were in Comic-Con. Uh, it is based off of a Garth Ennis uh, comic book run for Dark Horse or Vertigo. One of those two uh, a while ago. Um, and uh, it's kind of a take on the narrative around superhero worship and you know what happens when we put these superheroes up on pedestals and and what are they really like as people hmm. and it follows the story of a guy named Wee Huey who's uh, just a regular dude who kind of gets mixed up into this uh, revenge scheme from uh, uh, another regular guy <laughs> who's like ex-CIA agent uh, who wants to take down the supers essentially and in this world, the supers are all run by this kind of mega corporation called Vought. And they, uh, they're they all put together as like a presented package. You know, basically everything you've seen like any major corporation do, which is kind of ironic because it's it's run on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no other <laughs> yeah. Like one of the three largest, you know, companies in the world. Uh, but they... Uh, Vought kind of presents them as their whole package and they're trying to get them into the military to get government money and all this. There's all these like kind of B and C plots going on around the story. But the basis of it is uh, in the very beginning, the very first episode, Wee Huey's girlfriend is killed by one of the supers um, and he beats up with this ex-CIA guy and they want to go uh, and take down the seven, which is what they're called, the supers that are in this world. Um, it is... Uh, so if you've ever read the comics and tried to explain the comics to a friend or if they pick it up worse, I actually would say this is worse. My friend Jenny was telling me this would happen whenever she told people she loved the boys. That is one of her favorite comic book series. Uh, if that friend then went and read the boys, she always felt kind of judged by them at the end of the day. <laughs> Cause it is one of the most graphic and like brutal books feasibly ever written like garth ennis doesn't really pull punches about violence and sex and stuff in his books so like preacher is very much the same which is one of my favorite comic book runs of all time uh it's super graphic very very bloody very you know kind of laden with everything adult oriented uh and the boys is 
feasibly more graphic than Preacher, which is huh. a, a shocking thing to say. Um, there are a lot of exploding humans in this show. <laughs> just yeah. Lots like, of exploding just humans. Just buckets of gore and blood spread across the across the. Uh, well, we can give the spoiler about how Huey's girlfriend dies because this is the first two minutes. It's literally the-, the first two minutes of the scene. Yeah. So there's a there's a character called A Train who is like the Flash. Essentially, he's like the fastest man alive. And uh, we don't know why at the time, but Huey's having this really romantic moment with his girlfriend and they're they're talking and they're t- planning a date, I think, later that night. And she like kind of half steps off the curb and then a train runs through her and he's running, you know, at the speed of whatever light or whatever. And she just explodes just into just a bucket, <laughs> uh, buckets of mist and gore. And then we Huey is just holding her hands at the end. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, as in, that's the only thing that he has left of her is her hands. See you with the potty, uh, Richter. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yes. yeah, it's total recall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, so, uh, thanks, thanks for getting that. And and that's yeah. like two minutes. That's like literally two minutes into the series. So, yeah. uh, it just goes from there. Um, I'll, I'll say I this really, though: Did you finish it, Ash? Or did I you... did. I finished okay. it. Um, I read I read the first I think five books when they came out. My buddy Drew lent them to me, and I didn't love them. I thought a lot of it was gratuitous and just like it wasn't. Boys wasn't really for me, but I love love loved this show. Like this yeah. show is gorgeous. Like it's so well shot. It's so well acted. Like yeah. everything about it is like a plus top notch. And I was like shocked by how much I liked it. There's like nothing cheesy or hokey about it at all like the way the seven are presented oh, yeah. yeah they're yeah. all three-dimensional characters and i'm not even going to say villains because they're all so flawed and you can kind of tell that they started out really wanting to be super sort of like the character of starlight and then over yeah. time this government corruption just ruined them um and the repetition of all of the really ridiculous mundane things that they had to do to be part of like this government or this you know corporate package ended up really corrupting them as people um, and making them into these, you know, sort of monsters. But man, yeah. Homelander well, is like one of the best villains. <laughs> I'm using finger quotes. I think in, in years on in TV or, or film Homelander, yeah. he's like terrifying. He really is. And it's like, it's kind of like the, there's so many kind of meta narratives going on and, and they are in the book as well of kind of star fuckery and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it really is commenting kind of on, society and it's ironic like it's funny to me because there were so many levels of irony of like amazon putting this show out for one heavily promoting it at comic-con for two (laughs) like it's 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 about that you know like it's about mega corporations and it's about worshiping heroes and stars and stuff at a level that you've put them up above what it really could be you know like what they should be and and what that does internally to those people also like you know do we create the monsters that are these like famous people that are becoming monsters? The answer is no, probably, but that's part of the meta narrative that's going on in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that there's this darkness that gets kind of amplified inside of these characters. I, I agree. I think it's a gorgeous show. I think it was written really well. I was unsure of how they were going to translate the book into a show without either a pulling some of the punches, which they did none of, or B, kind of watering it down i guess a little bit or or like rushing some of it but it really felt paced really well they didn't get um too far into i didn't know if this was a limited run either if like they were only doing eight episodes but by the end it's pretty clear that they are not they're going to probably do more seasons um 
but it's uh, it wasn't rushed. It didn't feel like they were trying to jam the entirety of all of the boys because I think there's is there like four or five trades probably of the boys. Total? I think so. Yeah, I think it was around yeah. for a couple years at least. So it's like I, I was worried they were going to try and jam all of that into the show, and and they didn't do that either. So it it really honestly like was pretty shockingly great, and and I enjoyed it like quite a bit. I think I tore through the first like five episodes pretty quickly yeah i I Um, I watched the whole thing in like two or three days which was i was just i couldn't i was staying up late like waking up watching an episode you know like oh yeah but yeah i agree homelander and and the the thing that makes homelander good is that he he is they do make it so obvious why he is kind of the broken human that he is you know like you get to understand what has happened to him psych like psychologically for his whole life but also that doesn't forgive like what he is doing. <laughs> so, so it's really, it's really super interesting. And, uh, I loved being able to see the seven through uh, starlight. Like I thought that was really great. They did a lot of really good things and there, there are some changes to the book. So it's not like Watchmen fatigue where you're just literally watching a frame for frame remake of the, of the books you read. There's, there's quite a few differences actually, uh, which I didn't feel at first. And then I was like, Oh no, they are starting to switch up the story and, and change up some of the characters a little bit. Um, there's some really great Easter eggs in there that I won't ruin. If you did read the books that you'll probably love, um, there's been articles written about them already, but you know, you're not listening to us to ruin your Easter eggs. So. <laughs> um, no, but it, it's super solid. Everything about yeah. it's great. Um, you know, I will I think, say, go ahead. I was no, going to say, was, even <laughs> the villains, the villains are, they're so well written that they could very easily be just two dimensional kind of flat maniacal characters, but they are so well acted and they're so, um, like I said, so well written that they're likable in their own way. Like, like you were saying, like Homelander is essentially like what happens if Superman didn't have parents and, um, you know, had a, a pretty rough upbringing and he has the same powers as Superman, but, you know, you can kind of see the pain that that's going on in, in his life. And yeah. while you don't necessarily relate to what he's doing, you understand why he's doing it and his motivation, which makes him, you know, really, really compelling to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the only thing I was going to say is that this is. I would argue probably at least the second, if not third Amazon Prime show that I've watched where I'm like, holy cow, the quality is really high. It's a channel that I ignore very often and i forget i have um because i use amazon for other stuff on occasion mm-hmm. um but the, man between this and good omens was fantastic uh, they just picked up the expanse which they showed a teaser for at comic-con i was going to briefly talk about in the news that looks phenomenal and uh, i know you ash you watched um jack, jack ryan. ryan show yeah, that, yeah. That was also really really fantastic yeah, so I mean, man, if you're ever just bored and hunting around for something to watch, uh, flick over to the Prime channel and see if they've got something you want. But I, I highly recommend The Boys. Uh, I thought it was great. So, but not for kids at all, and like not even kind of close for like if your kid is awake, I wouldn't watch that show. <laughs> gotcha. You don't just put <laughs> yeah. it on in the background while you're like cleaning. No. Or something. <laughs> yeah. oh Daddy, why did why did that man explode? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. <laughs> like, uh... And there's not like a lot of graphic sex or anything, but the violence is like just it's next level. <laughs> it is it is beyond. So, uh, yeah. So wouldn't watch it with kids, but you know, otherwise. Okie dokie. Uh, I guess real quick, I can I can talk about another life on Netflix, which just dropped. Um, I'm mainly reviewing this for Scott because I know Scott likes his hardcore hardcore sci-fi. You no, know, let me tell you right away. Like I saw this on the list, so I quickly 
Googled it because I didn't know what this was. Yeah. And I see on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a critic score of 6% and then like a fan score of 60%. And that tells right. me that I would love it, right? Oh, okay. You might love it. You know what I'm saying? Um, because if like, if the critics hate it and like that, you know, 60% fans love it, that means that it is for someone and that somebody might be me. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'll say I'm about halfway through the season. I think it's a 10 episode season or somewhere right around that, which is a good number for me these days. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this stars Katie Sackoff. Uh, the whole premise is that in the near future, this uh, giant crystalline object lands on Earth and uh, just it kind of UFO lands, drops this giant crystal on Earth and nobody knows how to open it or how to talk to it. Uh, but they do know where it came from in the solar or, or in the galaxy. So they send a the, the best crew of astronauts out to communicate with the planet that the thing came from. And that's all in the first five minutes. So I'm not spoiling anything. Uh, Katie Sackoff plays the pilot of this ship called the Solari. Um, and she's sort of this weathered weathered captain who's been through it all and has been up to space a bunch. Mm-hmm. She's got a, a sounds like a stretch for her. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Katie Sackoff is playing essentially uh, older Starbuck. Fantastic. Um, oh, yeah, which is great. Yeah. And her husband is like some sort of scientist who's trying to figure out how to communicate with the crystal thing. And she's got a little kid. Um, there's some things I really like about the series. I'll say that Katie Sackoff's performance is is really, really rock solid. Like she is mm-hmm. uh, by far the most compelling person on the show and the best actor on the show. She's just she's great in it like you can't keep your eyes off of her and she's um you know goes through every single emotion possible um i think where the show kind of falls apart is that the crew itself they did some weird things like stylistically that i just i don't know if it was for budgetary reasons or what but there's like a line in the beginning where like the crew is like finally they're waking up out of hypersleep and they're they're like putting their clothes on and they're all in like civilian clothes on the ship and they all wear like different kind of like future civilian clothes and one of them makes a comment about uniforms and they're like oh people stopped wearing uniforms on spaceships you know 30 years ago (laughs) and it's like okay but like now i have to watch this girl in like club clothes like try and fix like a hyperdrive and it's just like it's not like firefly where it makes sense that they're in like wild west clothes and they're fixing a hyperdrive in like you know in wild west clothes this is like <laughs> like you went to you went to the gap and you bought like a bunch of shit from the gap and like yeah. this is what you're gonna wear into space it just doesn't match really and there's like a lot of things like that in terms of just like the set design and and just the, the clothes in the ship that are just kind of like odd that kind of t- took me out of it uh that also being said I feel like the crew themselves are like the most incompetent. They're all like in their twenties, except for Katie Sackhoff, who's supposed to be like in her mid to late thirties. And they're all like the most incompetent humans like that have ever been on a spaceship. Like why they would ever have been chosen to go on this journey is like, it's never addressed and it's completely beyond me. Like, <laughs> like cause there's only one of these ships. This is like, like the arc, like you, you have the best of the best. And then there's like a doctor who can't really cure anything. <laughs> there's like this big, like doofus, like Hurley type character, um, who, who goes on the planet and like, the, he, he takes his like helmet off on the planet and gets like microbes on the ship and people start exploding. And like oh my God. everyone just makes, yeah, everyone just makes the worst choices the worst choices and it's like and it just happens over and over again so like every episode someone will do something like super super fucking dumb like 
like I said, someone will like go to the planet surface and like to look for water and be like, look, this atmosphere looks breathable. Let me take my helmet off. You're like, have you never seen a science <laughs> fiction show in all of your life? Like, what are you oh, doing? Man. <laughs> so there's a lot of those, um, those things that happened o- literally over and over in every single episode. There is like a, a giant clusterfuck of something that happens. Um, and y- you have to kind of overlook it and just kind of try and figure out where the journey is going. So like the overall like space exploration and, and flight and the cool things they encounter on the way, that's fun. It, you know, it's, it, it's not in- entirely groundbreaking, uh, but it, the, the crew is interesting enough there's enough going on. The CG is really good um, when they're out, you know, when they're showing all the space flight and all that stuff, that looks really sharp. Um, you can tell it's of lower budget. I want to say it was, I, I want to, I'm assuming because I'm seeing the names of some of the crew members that this was uh, shot somewhere in uh, Eastern Europe. Um, okay. So I don't know. I don't know what that means in terms of budget, but um, it's definitely not, you know, it doesn't have a massive, massive budget. But it's definitely it's definitely passable. So I would I would not rate it the six percent. I would be somewhere more in the sixty percent. Uh, <laughs> and if you're a fan of Katie Sackoff at all, or if you like space stuff, I would say um, definitely check it out. My dog Bauer he agrees too. He says yeah. I two, I love two barks up. up two barks up two barks. Now, right. Check it out. Um, when, maybe when I finish it, I'll 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 tell you my final score. But it's uh, it's okay. It's not it's not terrible. Okay. You know what? I do like oh. space stuff. And so I, I do want to watch it. Yeah, it's good. I will tell you this, though. Um, there's something magical about some space shows where they can introduce a, a massive crew of, of characters. And then within the first episode, you kind of you kind of know like a little bit about them and, and you know, w- what role they play on the ship. And it's just well written. Right. And it's hard to introduce that many cast members at once. I was like at episode five and there's only like eight people on the ship. And I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like I have no idea what that dude's name is, what he does on the ship. I just know he kind of stands around and like says like a line every once in a while. But like, there's a little bit of that going on in the show where you're just like, did they just uh, very? It's like uh, the plotting is strange at points. Okay, okay, uh, that's fine. I can tolerate that though. Okay, it's quite yeah, all right. Watch it. Let me know what you think. Cool. I I mean I certainly will. Um, yeah. I it just from looking at the cover art alone. Uh, I'm already on board, so we'll uh, we'll discuss after I have a chance to watch it. All right, all right. Um, really quickly, since we were talking about a lot of TV shows, are are you guys on the on the Schitt's Creek bandwagon yet? I am not. You're not. Okay. So I'm just going to bring it up very quickly because it's sort of a a, a kind of like almost a, a cult a cult show that has grown into something a little bit greater, I guess. So yeah. um, if you haven't seen or you haven't heard of it, Schitt's Creek is a show that stars Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. They uh, are a family. It was created by um, actually uh, Eugene Levy and his son, Daniel Levy. And Daniel Levy is uh, the Eugene Levy's character's son in the game. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, in so, the show. Yeah, yeah. In the show. Thank you. What did I say? Game. Game. Said game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so they are an affluent family who basically loses their fortune and is forced to move to the town of Schitt's Creek that uh, Eugene Levy's character uh, bought on a whim at some point. So they moved to this town to live there. And it's basically like a modern day green acres, right? Because they're living in this weird um, eccentric town, kind of like in the outskirts, like in the middle of nowhere. 
And so there's like four kind of like rich looking people living in this town. And you can just imagine, you know, shenanigans ensue. Right. But really it is, um, uh, a really good vehicle for, um, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara to do exactly what they do. And the thing that you learn about this show is that as you continue to watch it, you start to realize like, first of all, all four of these characters are very lovable. Um, the show could have easily gone in the direction of being a show about like really terrible people being terrible people. But uh, over the show's, I think five seasons at this point, it actually is a show about like positivity and about um, kind of like learning to, you know, get along with other people and just kind of like be like generally a nice person. And if you've ever seen Daniel Levy talk about this show, uh, like at award, you know, award speeches and stuff like that. He always said, he says something like, you know, positivity always wins or something, or love always wins or something like that. And that really kind of drives the uh, kind of like, that's kind of the undercurrent of the show is that they move to this town and they, you know, they start out thinking like, Hey, this is going to be, you know, this is going to suck. And like, they have to learn how to deal with this new lifestyle. And then as the show progresses, it kind of grows into a life of its own um, over time and just turned into something like really lovable, I guess. So uh, the show is, has five seasons. It just recently got nominated for a number of what awards would that be? Emmys? Yeah, it'd be Emmys. Yeah. yeah. So one for the, I think one for Catherine O'Hara, one for Eugene Levy, and I think one for the show itself and maybe one for costumes or something like that. And it's going into its sixth and final season, but the first four seasons are on Netflix. Season five is on Hulu if you have like the full TV situation. And then I think the show is actually like it airs in Canada or here on a channel called Pop. I've never heard of the channel. But um, it's really special. And I think you just have to kind of give it a chance. And um, it's one of those shows that becomes sort of a cult classic or like, you know, if you ever wind up in a coffee shop, that would be the show that you would see on TV when they're not playing Portlandia, for example, <laughs> is that you would see Schitt's Creek playing instead. So, um, you know, I'm not going to be the person that tells you about this show and is like, I discovered it first because I was super, you know, my wife and I were super late to the game. But once we started watching it, we basically binged all five seasons back to back. Um, nice nice yeah and there are just like some choice episodes that have become sort of like standout episodes that you would be able to talk to people about you know years from now and be like oh do you remember that yeah that particular episode was hilarious yeah um and there's lots of great uh gifs online as well about it if you ever need some fodder for your uh for your chat rooms or for your text messages I love Eugene Levy, so I'll, I'll have to yeah, check it out. And I mean, really, like you, I think that's like the draw initially, but the kids, man, like the kids are hilarious. Like uh, Daniel Levy is amazing and he's kind of like a style icon and just very like fashionable. And that spills into like his character in the show. And then the daughter, they're both like, you know, in their 30s, like they're not, they're older children, but they're children that end up living with the parents, right? Um, but the the daughter is like, just this hilarious like her i can't even describe her character but it's always like like always kind of like a little bit of duck face and ooh and like stuff like that and um it just ends up being super hilarious the way that all four characters interact with each other and like the people that also live in the town so it's it's pretty cool cool man well i'm glad you like it i'll definitely i'll add yeah. it to my growing list I thought, that will never end yeah of, i thought shows. i thought maybe matt had seen Shit's creek but i it's it's hard to say because I, I we didn't know about the yeah. show either yeah uh, I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's super fun. We started season one and we didn't quite tear through it as fast as you guys did, but 
but I was enjoying it. Yeah, it's a, a slow burn. You know, like once you get on board and the characters are established, like seasons two, three, four, like obviously everything picks up and it's like fantastic. This is Allie Hillis, and you're listening to the Rated NA Podcast at nerdappropriate.com. Okay, this is, uh, this is just pretty quick, but uh, this was the, the big news last week that the, the ESA mistaking, well, not even, I'm not even going to say mistakenly, <laughs> they actually had a downloadable uh, Excel or PDF file that contained the names, uh, phone numbers, email addresses, and home addresses of yep. every registered member of the media that attended E3 2018. Uh, it has since been uh, purged from their site, but I was able to uh, locate this list after about five minutes of searching. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I, it, wanted to, I wanted to see if I was on it. I am not on it because I did not okay. attend E3. I've, I've been on that list in the past, but it appears it was just the 2018 list. That's what and, I was wondering. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, in today's day and age, it's funny. A lot of people spoke out against this and said, "What's the big idea? If you don't, if you don't say anything like negative, then why do you care if your, you know, your address and all that stuff is posted?" Uh, fucking a, I care if my address is out there <laughs> yeah. posted. Like, you never know. It's, <laughs> we live in a, a terrible day and age where people are getting docs and and things are, uh, happening to to people all the time negative you know, negative things are happening to games journalists and to people that work in video games and in in pop culture in any way um you you don't want your phone number and your address kind of floating around the world too much anymore uh so this was a really big deal there were hundreds if if not more of addresses and and you know phone numbers and all that stuff uh i saw some names that i knew of people that have been on our show before and it was just kind of weird to go through and be like oh there's their home address that's not cool yeah like um so this is you know it's just something that we kind of have to worry about and, and live with in today's day and age it was i think honestly it was I feel like this was a decision made by somebody that wasn't meant to be malicious. It was just like, oh, this is it was in a helpful link section on the ESA website that was like, here's something that might be helpful to you. Here's a bunch of journalists that love video games and like, we'll just put we'll just take our file and put it up here. And it was just a a, a thoughtless thing to do. Right. Yeah. Sort of That's probably really a decision made by someone who never never dealt with or had to really worry about the, the impact of uh, privacy invasion. So uh, really weird. Uh, you guys aren't on it. I checked for you just to make sure your names didn't sneak on there. Thanks buddy. Past. Yeah. You're, oh, you're not, you. you're not listed, but if you want Matt and Scott's address, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you guys know. Um, any thoughts about this before we move on to the next thing? Um. Here's here's my thought. I was actually going to say something in general about this because it's been happening a lot, but there's been a lot of security leaks and things as of late, like tons across many different places. This one is pretty egregious just because it has like a lot of personal information in it. But uh, I commonly like will talk to people and be like, oh, you should be worried about that. Like you shouldn't put your phone number in X or like hand out passwords over Slack or whatever. And the response I get a lot of times are like, well, it doesn't matter who's watching me. What does it matter? And I'm always like, 
okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of a big deal. And I just, I hope that as this stuff kind of keeps happening, people start taking their kind of like personal security a little more seriously and start thinking about, you know, what devices they have in their house and what sites they're signing up for and what passwords they're using and like get a password manager and start doing that and like, you know, anonymize yourself a little bit because it's just become a really massive thing and it's not great. There's like a million stories about Facebook that you could read right now and you know, it just just keep an eye on it. So that's my thought. My thought is in general, I think we all need to be better at managing our own personal security a little bit so that when these leaks happen, maybe they won't be as bad or as crazy for you personally as they could be Mm -hmm. although again this one and we sign up for press stuff all the time there's not a lot around the stuff they ask for is pretty identifying and uh is hard to get around if that was to leak there's not much we could do about it but you know yeah i mean they ask for like chunks of information when you apply to be a journal i think part of it's doing a background check to make sure that you're not maybe not a legitimate background check but at least a a minor background check to make sure that you're not a terrible human being yeah but um but yeah, they they do ask for quite a lot. And if that information just, were to get out there, it'd be pretty bad. Yeah, just keep an eye on your personal stuff, you know, just be be aware of it because it's it's like all we kind of have in the digital realm and uh you can't just like pick up and move it most times. So I would say I would say in general everybody keep better track of their things. How's that? Yeah. I, I think that's great advice. And I it just seems like <clears throat> every week now you get an email from some company and it's like Hey, we've had a data breach and we're going to offer you yeah. like credit monitoring or identity monitoring. And I think that eventually uh, everyone's uh, time is just going to stack to the point where it's just going to be free, like forever for everybody. So that well, just, I mean, don't we all get it for free on like 90% of the credit cards you would have I anyways? So. Like, I feel like I have it I three so. times over at this point. I think so. I just, it's just, yeah. it's just interesting at this point. It's like it, this happens, you know, weekly at this point, which is yes. upsetting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, you, you want to talk about the, we'll, we'll quickly talk about Ninja moving to Mixer. There's not a ton to report you here. You can Just talk I, about that. I, Scott cannot, uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, I'll talk about this. This is pretty cool. I, I stream sometimes for my job. Uh, streaming is an interesting thing. Ninja is sort of the, the, the Michael Jordan of streaming. He is like the all-star streamer. He, he has, uh, more or had more viewers on Twitch than anybody else. Uh, uh, just massive, massive audience. Um, and of course, he made the switch to Mixer, leaving the platform of Twitch behind. He left all of his subscribers behind and moved over to Mixer, um, signing some sort of deal with him. I have been reading reports uh, that the deal was upwards of $50 million. Uh, but it also involved uh, endorsements and having to go to certain conventions and play certain titles uh, for Mixer when they come out. So, like for instance, like Gears or what other Microsoft first-party titles might be coming out. He's uh, has some sort of obligation to play those for X amount of time. Um, it also revealed that within the first couple days of having his channel on Mixer, he already has over one million subscribers. So he's back to. Um, you know, back to getting his numbers back and it'll probably take him a little while to get where he was. His, his final, uh, subscriber count on Twitch escapes me, but, um, but it was, it was pretty damn high. It was more than double, I think the next person in line. So, um, anyway, very interesting just to see that this is, you know, this sort of thing is happening now that these, these high profile streamers are getting real, like real, like 
big chunks, like MCU chunks of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. To do to do something uh, for specific platforms. And he doesn't like, you know, a lot of people that don't understand that the, the tech of streaming, he doesn't really have to do anything differently. He just has to open up a different app. He doesn't have to get any new equipment. He doesn't have to change his routine. Really. He probably has to make a few minor tech changes. And beyond that, he just kind of walked away with like a, a significant chunk of change. So yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, the dude's entertaining. I mean, that's, good for you he's in his i think he's in his 20s and he just made more money i'm gonna ask you guys this what the fuck would you ever do with that much money like i have no like why i would take it and and wait till my contract is done and then just quit and like i guess travel the world like like <clears throat> yeah you, you could build an iron man suit literally like, what do, do you whatever do? you want it kind of reminds me of um of you know that scene in garden state where they you know they go home and the guy's just walking around in a suit of armor because he's like he invented like quiet velcro right and is like you know independently wealthy and just like that's it like end of story right so right i think it, but like i guess my for me not to cut you off for me it's like once you get to the point where you have all that money and you have essentially everything that you really could ever want financially like what is the motivation to continue like like, like, why do you need to be more successful? But I mean, I, well, but yeah, but that's like, look at any, like remove him being a streamer from this and just look at anyone who is like, you know, top of whatever the thing is that they're doing. The motivation is that, that they can't not be motivated. Like, it's not like these people have, like, there's tons of luck involved. I'm not saying there's not luck involved, but I'm saying that it's not as if, these you know robert downey jr or you know uh ninja or or you know i don't know peyton manning or whatever they don't like fall backwards into doing this and then happen to make 50 million dollars you know like right, there, right there's a ton of motivation pushing them and driving them to do this thing and the thing that i hear most often like i listen to like conan o'brien's podcast he talks about this quite a bit which is like if it all went away tomorrow, he would continue going. He was like, his least favorite question is when people are like, oh, when are you going to be done? And he's like, I can't be done. Like, I'm just going to keep making things. I mean, that's, that's pretty apparent with his, the fact that he has a podcast in addition yeah, to his TV it, show. Right. So it's like, if the TV yeah. show was canceled, he would start producing web videos. If the web video went away, oh, he would sure. do podcasts. If there was no podcast, yeah. he would just travel to different countries and do like what he's been doing already. Like his, yeah. you know, the shows in the different countries, he's not going to stop, you know? He's not going to stop. And that, and that's like, that was the point was that like the motivation is the motivation. Like he's, he just can't not do it, you know? I right. mean, and I think that's just, that is what it is. That's what people who make that level of success, like they are driven to succeed. And that like, once they make it, they didn't make it. You know what I mean? Like in their minds, they didn't make it. They, they just, just have to keep maintaining they and hit sort that, of one-upping themselves. I think, yeah, the, I think there's, the a, only there's thing, another level to reach. I feel like the only thing that's going to stop him from doing this is if he wakes up one morning and decides that something else motivates him more, you know what I mean? Right. Like if he wakes right. up one morning, he's like, I've done everything that I can do in this space. And now I want to, I don't know, open a brewery or whatever the hell, you know, like, and sure. like literally whatever comes into his brain and he goes, this is what, this is what my next thing is going to be. Right. Um, I mean, there, there's a chance that there's two things that'll stop him, which is one is a personal drive to do more different stuff. Right. Which was probably smart. If he's not already like diversifying into producing things and doing other stuff, like I was just he at should. the Target toy section and there's ninja surprise toy boxes with his face yeah, sure. on them. So you there get you like go. a like, crate of like, you know, sweatbands and like whatever the 
<laughs> whatever and, else. But he, but he absolutely should. Like that's that would be right. insane to not do stuff like that. But like the other thing that might stop him, and I don't want to like you know be the be the old man naysayer, but this might also be a a bubbleish situation with streaming right now, where you know this isn't fifty million dollars is not only a lot of money; it's an insane amount of money in almost any field. Like it's it's yeah. not, it's not like in streaming it's crazy. It's it's crazy like basically everywhere, and it's also such a nascent like new industry that that money is ridiculous. Like it's no industry that's three years old should be throwing $50 million at anyone like that. That's crazy. It means that most of that money is fake. Essentially it's investor money, you know? So it's like, to me, I'm like, I'm watching it as like, well, everybody thought YouTube would never go away. And while it's definitely not going away, it's having a bazillion problems right now, figuring out what it is and what it's going to do. And what is a YouTube star at this point? Like, are they supporting them? Are they, do they work for YouTube? Like there's all these like giant questions kind of happening and you know, that stuff's going to hit streaming eventually. Like there's going to be a reckoning of figuring out what this is. How does it actually make money? Who is it making money for? All that kind of stuff's going to start happening in the next three to five years probably. And like that might stop him based on just the changing of that industry entirely. Cause it's going to yeah. go through some kind of change at some point, you know, you can't keep just throwing, eight and nine figure deals at people and, and assume or wait, no, that's not nine. That's yeah. No, eight figure deals at people and assume that like everything's honky dory and it'll just keep going great. You know? Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I think I, it's interesting news to me. Although when I, I sent you guys that article and said, I've never felt older from reading a headline, but they, <laughs> cause it was like Ninja moves to Blixelblorp with doodle dads. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, but at the same time, like, it's just to me, it's like it's interesting to watch only as like this is a brand new industry and having 50 million dollars to throw at your biggest star is cool, question mark. But also, <laughs> where is that money coming from? Because neither Mixer nor Twitch are like raking in billions of dollars right now. So what is it? You know, yeah, <laughs> like, what yeah. what is this sizable chunk of uh, of the marketing budget from from somewhere? Yeah. So yeah. interesting stuff. I don't know. In, in a in an I don't either. Field. You're going to hear a cameo of Lincoln ceiling, uh, singing the Imperial March in the background. So listen carefully, right. listeners. Excellent. Um, you want to talk quickly about uh, Netflix stealing uh, Beanoff and Weiss? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Benioff, Benioff and Weiss, uh, creators, creators of Game of Thrones on HBO, showrunners on Game of Thrones, um, just got picked up by netflix for 200 million a, a deal for 200 million i believe uh to have i think exclusive rights to their production so that weird confederate series that no one really felt like they wanted <laughs> is, is no longer going to happen on hbo that is gone and seemingly just out of production entirely until you know netflix decides to green light it but they they picked them up as a production deal and and all of the game of thrones creators new shows will be going to netflix that's kind of insane although i looked up how much money HBO has made off of Game of Thrones. And if these guys did something that was even a tenth as big as Game of Thrones was for Netflix, Netflix will have made their money like three times over. Wow. Uh, so, hmm. yeah. So it, it is it is a scale that none of us, you know, you think $50 million is a lot. <laughs> like these guys generated somewhere in the range of like $8 billion over eight years or something for HBO. Wow, so, that's wild. I'm curious to see. I mean, honestly, you know, Game of Thrones was a a, a pretty brilliant show. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm curious to see what these guys can cook up. Just, I mean, the fact that people don't understand the logistics of like producing something of that scale and the fact that they yeah. were able to do it for so many years and have it be the quality that it was, yeah. is it sort of a testament to their talent and, and does probably warrant that price tag. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. like, they, I, mean, I mean, they basically can't... employed like three small cities worth of people and like seriously. built a show off of it. So seriously, it's like, it's, it's kind of it, crazy show was just gargantuan so yeah so it'll be interesting to see what they produce for netflix and we'll see that's not the first of this kind of thing but it's it's a pretty big deal that they got exclusive deal with them so oh, my daughter's waking up as well you'll hear her in the background if you listen carefully okay this is what happens yeah uh yeah so you want to talk about marvel phase four real fast yeah we can do it real real quickly um you know we could probably do a whole show on all the stuff that was announced yeah. at comic-con at this point it's pretty much old news um there's some really cool stuff um that's happening i mean i guess the thing that i'm most excited about is all the the disney plus stuff that that's happening yeah and that how that looks they're good. essentially including marvel phase four into the disney plus lineup so you're getting uh, WandaVision and uh, Winter Soldier and and Falcon and uh, the Hawkeye show, which I'm really excited about. Um, and those are all going to be essentially part of Phase Four as five and six hour miniseries that are uh, released on that channel. So that's that's pretty cool. And I guess the other yeah. big thing to say is that Phase Four is is pretty short. I think it's going to be over by the end of 2021. Um, and everyone seems to think that phase five is going to be the introduction of fantastic four and perhaps the X-Men. So, uh, a lot of that really appears to be the deal because the other thing they announced was that during their Disney earnings report, which they also announced the price of like their bundle with Hulu and ESPN and Disney plus and all that, which was a decent deal. Um, they announced that basically Fox single-handedly was part of the reason they lost money this quarter. Wow. And that they are, I think it was officially announced that they are moving all of the Fox Marvel properties. So fantastic Four, X-Men, all of that underneath Marvel studios as of now, essentially. Yeah. That's, so, I mean, apparently the dark Phoenix lost a, a metric ton of it money. It lost a giant amount of money. Yeah. Which means not. new mutants will never come out. I'm, I'm, I don't think it will pretty I've heard, certain that that movie is just never going to be seen. I've heard a lot of noise that it, it went through many reshoots, has been a really rough go, and has was not great. So, yeah, that's. Uh, I hope to see it one day. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I thought a horror take on it would be really awesome, and I actually yeah. thought the casting was really good too. You can hear my daughter. Sorry, <laughs> it's quite all right. It's okay. It's okay. Um. That's a good place. I think that's a pretty good place to call it, guys. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah we talked fine. about a lot. We did the thing. We talked about. A, we did the. We thing. did the thing. Yeah, we'll just keep, um, we'll just keep doing you guys. The thing. Yeah, let's let's try. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening to episode three hundred and forty of the Rated NA podcast. Um, you guys can find us on Twitter, and that's at NerdAppropriate. You can email us directly, nerds at nerdappropriate.com. Uh, all three of us are going to be at PAX West at the end of this month, which is rapidly approaching. We have a couple panels there, which hopefully we talk about before we're on the panels. But uh, if you're going to be in the Seattle area at the end of this month, uh, please look us up and say hi. Send us a tweet, and we will gladly meet you, and uh, Matt will buy you a drink. Ha, and. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next time.
right. See ya. Bye. Cool. Cool, dudes.